Welcome to this SearchHealthIT.com podcast, where SearchHealthIT.com editors interview leading experts on IT strategies for healthcare leaders. This is Don Fluckinger, live at HIMSS. Today I'm talking with the ONC's chief scientist and director of technology. In short, he is the country's interoperability czar when it comes to health data, and it's Dr. Doug Fridzma. And he's here to talk a little bit about some of the interoperability stuff going on at HIMSS, and that happens to be a huge story this year. So thanks for joining us today, Dr. Fridzma. Thanks. I'm delighted to be here. Well, I guess first off, uh, what's your reaction to the five major EHR vendors, uh, Cerner, McKesson, Athena Health, Allscripts, and Greenway, um, sort of laying down their swords and cooperating for interoperability's sake. What does that do for you from your perch? Well, I think, you know, um, our goal at ONC has always been to, to support the patient and to make sure that their information can flow from one system to another, that it can um, um, move seamlessly around. And many of the efforts that we've done in Meaningful Use Stage 1 and Stage 2 have been really aimed at that. So when we see the industry stepping up and beginning to also share that vision to say we need to work together collectively to make sure that we can provide the IT infrastructure that supports um, better patient care and better patient care delivery, um, those are always good things. Well, explain to um, our audience of CIOs and health IT sysadmins and various folks who are listening to this podcast, um, the whole thing about the national patient identifier, because Cerner CEO Neil Patterson uh, spoke at length yesterday and is sort of frustrated that the federal government can't uh, institute some sort of a patient identifier on a national level, but um, we know that, that they're not allowed to. So sort of just for the people who aren't familiar with this whole saga, explain it once mm-hmm. again. Well, I think one of the, one of the challenges is that um, uh, we, ONC, and more broadly uh, Health and Human Services, are not, are not allowed to create a national patient identifier. Through law? Through law. Um, and um, however, that isn't to say, and we see this in practices and in um, medical centers and other enterprises where there are medical record numbers and other things that are assigned to people to help manage their information. Um, uh, what we are unable to do, though, is, is to create a singular one that would go to um, uh, that would be used for all patients and all patient care delivery. Um, if the community uh, comes together and says, for the benefit of patients and to enable us to take better care of them, we believe that this is a fundamental thing that allows us to do a better job at providing the technical infrastructure and making sure that patients are receiving the care because we can track their information and make sure that it's available at the time that they receive care. Those are things that the industry certainly can do. And, um, you know, I think that's, that's, um, that focus on making sure that the patients are well served um, is something that uh, is is a nice thing to see coming from the industry with that. Well, so national patient identifier is sort of 
the genesis of the Commonwealth Project, which is what this interoperability initiative among the HR vendors is named. Um, from your point of view at ONC, um, what advice would you give them to make a national patient identifier or a system to identify patients mm -hmm. succeed? What's going to make it work? Well, I think, um, you know, that uh, it will be important, I think, for um, the groups that are working on this to, to make sure that they um, are keeping the patient's interest at heart. I think it's going to be, you know, I, I use the example, you know, if you're, you're, if you're seeing um, a number of different doctors and one doctor has system A and another a doctor has system B and then you're, you decide that you've got to uh, change your provider and you're going to go and see Dr. C. Um, you want to make sure that if they're using different information systems that you as a patient aren't disadvantaged to move that information around. And that information can be moved both in terms of consultation and kind of keeping your um, collection of doctors integrated in the information that they see and share. Or it could be that I want to move from Dr. A to Dr. C and I need to be able to just move my information out of a health information system into another. So we don't want um, the current way in which um, that kind of uh, transfer occurs is Dr. A prints out everything and Dr. B scans it in. And we lose the ability to have all of those um, rich interconnections and the ability to reuse that data for clinical quality and for uh, clinical decision support. So having an, an ecosystem in which there is agreement among vendors that this is how we're going to share information, I think gets back to the purpose that health information technology exists. It's there to serve the patients and it's there to serve the providers that are providing that kind of care. So the more that we can enable that liquidity, the, I think the better we are. So what are you talking about uh, at HIMSS this year besides Commonwealth? I know you have uh, things that you're either promoting or trying to throw a spotlight on at each HIMSS. Well, I think um, one of the things that's been really gratifying to me is all of the work that's gone on among folks that have been engaged in the standards and interoperability framework and the federal health architecture that are here at HIMSS uh, this week demonstrating the successes that they've had using the national standards that are out there. I think that's been a tremendous um, experience uh, for me. One, I get tremendous amount of energy from the folks because they're also excited about the great things that they're doing. Um, it also helps us learn. I mean, we have a tremendous amount of work that's going on right now with um, the Blue Button Initiative and Abby, where we've taken um, three, essentially three building blocks and we've assembled them together to solve the problem in Meaningful Use Stage 2 of View, Download, and Transmit. So our strategy in terms of how we're trying to approach interoperability is that it's not one size fits all, that we're going to take an incremental approach, that we're going to create composable building blocks that can help solve those problems. So Abby is an example of actually taking those building blocks and putting them together. We took Blue Button, we made it uh, conform to the consolidated CDA, and then we added Direct for the ability to transmit. So three of our building blocks assembled together has solved the problem of view, download, transmit. Consolidated CDA can also be used with web services for some of the optional certification criteria that we have um, to, to meet uh, transitions of care and some of the other um, exchange criteria. So we're beginning to see 
these building blocks come out. So these consortiums and these other groups, I hope that at the end of the day, if there is a national standard, we should use it. Consolidated CDA, direct, some of the web services activities, the HL7 standards that help us support labs, and all of the vocabularies that we've identified to help us make sure that the, we've got structure and uh, the meaning of the, the codes and the, and the like. So if there are national standards, we should use them. If there's national standards, but they don't quite fit our use case, I think our first effort should be to try to figure out how we can improve and enhance those standards to meet those use cases. So are there things that we can do that would make it easier for us to use them? And then I think finally, if, if you've done all that work and there's still not a standard that will help you, I think then what we need to do is we need to collectively, as a country, bring the vendors together, the patients, the providers, and identify what that new standard should be. And I think if we see, you know, if we, if we can create an environment in which um, people no longer compete on the arrows between the boxes, mm -hmm but they compete on the functionality within the boxes. I think that's the stage that we'd like to get to. We've seen it in other industries. Healthcare has been more challenging, I think. It's a more complex industry. But, you know, when computers first came out, um, you bought a computer, a very specialized cable, and a proprietary printer that worked with that system. And nowadays, you find the best-of-breed printer, the best-of-breed computer, and you have a USB cable that everybody uses to connect their printer and their hard drive and their music and their speakers and to charge their cell phone. And I think when people were anticipating using the USB standard for this, I don't think anybody really thought, well, charging a cell phone would be a really important use case that we'd have. But they created a rich enough standard that allowed that kind of functionality to occur. So when I think about this, what you really want is you don't, we don't want um, industries that are vertically integrated or health IT that's vertically integrated when we're looking out at a uh, healthcare delivery system that's becoming increasingly horizontally integrated. When that happens, you've got a mismatch of the technology to support the, the, the care delivery and the patients. Patients are going to be... Um, more mobile. They're going to be using smartphones. They're going to have integration of their health with their health care. We're going to have Fitbits. We're going to have devices. There's a whole host of things that are going to be horizontally integrated. So when folks come together and say, listen, we understand that we are no longer going to be successful if the only way to interconnect these systems is to all buy the same system, we're actually going to have to get to the point where the way that we're going to get horizontally integrated is that I'm going to pick the best product for the purpose that I have and I've got a USB cable that connects them all and that information can flow and I think that's going to drive better care. I think patients will benefit from that and I think at the end of the day we'll have a richer ecosystem of innovation um, than if what we do is try to pursue simply a vertical integrated strategy. Well, last question. Next year, Meaningful Use Stage 2 sort of rolls out in earnest among healthcare providers. What's uh, going to be the biggest challenge, uh, you know, in your job as this uh, starts to come out? I mean, it must be a giant interoperability Rubik's Cube to you that you, you can't quite anticipate all the issues that are going to happen. What do you think? Well, I think, you know, the, we have philosophically through ONC really looked to our community to help us 
um, understand what the problems are that they're facing and to, to work together with them to come up with solutions that solve those problems. I think as we go to Meaningful Use Stage 2, we need to continue that approach to engagement with the community. So invariably, and we've seen it already in, in some of the standards that we've got coming into, the, uh, coming into Meaningful Use, is that our pilots, when we get out there and we implement them, we actually start to identify um, challenges that we have to fix, that things that we have to improve in the way in which we, for example, indirect handle um, certificate discovery. We had some options and early on. Our early pilots told us those options are getting in the way of us to seamlessly exchange information. And the community got together. They decided that they picked one of those options, and they updated a lot of their standards to do that. I anticipate that same kind of interaction as we go into Meaningful Use Stage 2. People may find that there are challenges to interoperability given the consolidated CDA or the HL7251 or any of the other standards that are out there. I think our job is to listen to the community, to try to identify where is the best place for us to fix that. It could be that we have to tighten up our testing because we're not testing things appropriately. It could be that we, we want to um, allow people to send using a series of options, but when they receive, they have to be able to receive every single one of those options because that's the way we get to interoperability. You can't choose to only receive you know, option A and not option B. So some of the solutions are going to be solved by improving our testing. Some of it might be that we have um, lack of clarity in our implementation guides, and we need to get some clarity there as well. And I think, um, I think some of the problems may come up with uh, the standards that we, that we have as well. So we anticipate what we're doing here is, is very much like a software engineering pro project. Um, when, if you've ever installed, you know, a software operating system, you install the operating system and then you provide updates and patches and improvements. Right. I think we have to realize that within healthcare and our standards, meaningful use stage two gets everybody at the same level, but we are going to have to apply improvements and patches and updates so that we get to the goal of interoperability. Um, meaningful use is a great uh, meaningful use stage two is a great step forward by getting everybody at the same level, but you know it's meaningful use 2.0, and we're going to have 2.1 and 2.2 and 2.3 that will help us achieve um, greater and greater interoperability. So CMS is it making you hand code their test DHR that uh, um, physicians can use to affirm their ability to exchange outside of their own brand? No, I mean, we, we, that certainly that um, exchange outside of your own um, organization, there's a lot of options that we're exploring for how to right. do that. Um, and I think, uh, you know, again, we want to be responsive to the community. We want to make sure that we are helping to support that. And whether that's to do um, speed dating between different vendors, if it's a way that we need to create, um, you know, a reference implementation that people can um, uh, push up against. Part of what we're doing in the standards and interoperability framework is that over the course of the next year, we're going to focus sort of on an area that will be implementation and testing so that we've got test data and we've got additional resources that will help make people successful with their implementations. All right. Well, this has been great. Thanks a lot for your time today, Dr. Frisma. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for listening to the SearchHealthIT.com podcast. For more information and resources about healthcare technology and electronic health records, please visit searchhealthit.com. Thank you.